Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi everyone, welcome to Is This Real Life, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi everyone. Well, it was a very crazy week in reality TV and also reality. American Crime Story Versace started on FX. Kim Zolciak Behrman accused Candy and her husband of being swingers on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. My beloved Minnesota Vikings won in the epic Minneapolis miracle, the last four seconds of the game on Sunday night. And the people in Hawaii received an emergency alert saying there was an incoming ballistic missile and had to run for safety when there was no incoming missile. But the craziest thing I heard this week was both in reality TV and in reality, men continuously gaslighting their wives and girlfriends and then not taking responsibility for their own actions. Example one, Lamar Odom, who got addicted to drugs, cheated on his wife, Khloe Kardashian, and then she and her family helped nurse him back to health after he overdosed in a brothel, had the nerve to say in an interview, I knew our marriage was over when she was on her second or third NBA player. Boy, she has every right to date whoever she wants. You guys are divorced, okay? And her family, I mean, the only reason you're alive is because of the generosity of her and her family. He's the reason why the marriage ended, so take some responsibility for that and don't try and make her feel bad. Thank goodness her sister Kim Kardashian was there to then fire back on Twitter and was like, well, I think we knew the marriage was over when you were on your second or third brothel. Burn. Lamar's comments are very in line with this week's episode of Vanderpump Rules, where the men seem to be continuously gaslighting their girlfriends, telling them to take responsibility for things that they didn't do, that actually the men themselves did. So let's get into it. This week's episode of Vanderpump Rules opens with last week's cliffhanger, 
when Lala and Ariana played an audio tape for Britney of her boyfriend Jack's post-coital with Faith, who he cheated on Britney with, while he was saying, you know, I'm no longer attracted to Britney. We never have sex. I don't really like her. I don't plan on marrying her, and I don't plan on having children with her, despite telling the exact opposite to Britney and her family. As you can imagine, Britney was extremely upset. Unfortunately, this tape was played for her at about 1.15 a.m. at her and Jax's housewarming party that they threw together. And so while Britney and everyone else was drunk, Britney took this audio tape and played it via Bluetooth over the stereo system so everyone at their party could hear the horrendous things that Jax said about her. So all of this blows up and the guys decide to take Jax back to a safe space, which is Tom and Katie's apartment. The girls stay in Jax and Brittany's apartment, trying to console her and tell her that he's just really horrible and it's okay for Brittany. Yes, you can leave Jax. Somehow Peter and James Kennedy got left behind with Peter on the couch with his head between his hands, just in utter disbelief. And James Kennedy, for some reason, thought this was an appropriate time to tell a group of women that whenever there is a group of more than five women, it gets dangerous. No shit, James. When women get angry and they're together, it should be dangerous. You should be afraid. Obviously, at this point, Stasi jumps in and screams at James, sending him running off back to the boys. And Lala declares, I'm done with these men thinking they can do whatever the fuck they want. Slow claps for Lala. So I think the reason that James was so wound up is because the whole reason that all this happened was because James stole the audio off Faith's phone gave it to Lala, who then played it for Brittany at the housewarming party. Ugh, what a mess. So the guys are all back together at Tom and Katie's apartment, and Tom Schwartz declares, I'm going to go get more alcohol, because that's what this situation needs, more alcohol. So then we go to the next morning, when everyone is hungover and trying to piece together exactly what happened the night before. We see Ariana and her boyfriend Tom fight because Tom is upset with Ariana for her and Lala playing the tape for Britney at the party. He thinks that they should have waited and done it a different time if they were going to do it because everyone had been drinking. And Ariana agrees it was probably not the best decision to play it for her, but Ariana herself was drunk and said, you know, I'm not always going to have the best answer all of the time. But somehow Tom was not hearing this and just kept blaming her for everything, leading Ariana to basically say, maybe we should just break up, which totally upsets me because I really, really like them as a couple. Then we look at Jax and Brittany and their conversation the next day, which basically goes like this. Jax says, you know, I'm really disappointed in you. You need to take responsibility, which is the exact same thing that Tom said to Ariana, by the way. Um, he, Jax was basically upset that the tape had been played for everyone. And Brittany was upset that Jax had cheated and said all these things to the woman with whom he was doing the cheating. 
It just is absolutely mind-boggling that Jax would then blame Brittany for this entire situation. We fast forward kind of through the episode and luckily Tom and Ariana patch things up and agree that their relationship would be better if she didn't take everything so personally and if he did a better job empathizing. And Brittany talks to her girlfriends, Stassi and Katie, about what to do. And Stassi gives from very wise advice, basically saying that you might need to face the uh, music that your relationship with Jax is over. Of course, Brittany talks to her mom and says, you know, I was raised as a Christian woman and I believe in forgiveness and I believe even Jax deserves forgiveness and basically says that, you know, she loves Jax too much to not give it another try. So she sits down and talks to Jax and says, you know, you know the way you talk to me has got to change. And Jax has the nerve to say back to her, can we say the way we talk to each other? No, Jax, that's not the problem. She doesn't talk to you poorly. You talk to her poorly. And he continues to gaslight her throughout the conversation. And he says, you know, it's not my fault how this all got brought up, meaning the audio tape. And she's like, you can't say it's not your fault. Like, you cheated on me. And he's like, well, of course it's my fault. She's like, but you just said it wasn't your fault. And here we go again in circles. I have a feeling that even though they repaired their relationship, there's going to be this continuous circular conversation that doesn't fully get resolved because Jax is unable to take responsibility for his own actions. Now, I said this um, earlier this week on the Pump Rules podcast, but I do have a little glimmer of hope for Jax. Recently, his father had passed away, which is extremely sad, and I had a parent die two years ago, and I think it's a life-altering moment where you really step back and take notice of everything going on in your life and think, you know, about how you're living and if there's anything you want to change. And I'm hoping that at his darkest moment, he's able to both lean on Brittany and lean on his friends and family, but also to take a step back and say, is this how I want to be living my life? And at that broken moment, be able to piece himself back together and be a better boyfriend and friend and just person. So I really have hope for Jax, um, but this has been thus far a very one-sided relationship with Brittany always seeming to give and give and give, and Jax always seemed to take and take and take. And that's something that has been happening you know, throughout humanity, where women do so much of the work in a relationship, in keeping up a home, in raising children, in keeping together a marriage, and men historically have not really done their part. And we're noticing this with sort of the Time's Up movement, um, not just in relationships, but in the workplace. And I'm really hoping that we can have more conversations about this moving forward. Now, want to give a few thoughts on the rest of the episode that doesn't have to do with Tom, Ariana, slash uh, Jax, and Brittany. So a couple things that I was really excited about, one of them being the new, uh, not server, but uh, the new hostess, Billy Lee, um, who is a transgender woman, really excited to have an openly transgender cast member on Vanderpump Rules. It's about time. I think Billy is going to be fantastic, and hopefully she has some of a storyline. Would love to see more of her. 
Um, we see a double date between Tom and Katie and Stasi and Patrick and his man bun. The only thing that I appreciated about that date was when the door to the speakeasy opened, Katie whispered, it's like Narnia, which made me feel like Katie is a true nerd inside and I absolutely love nerds. So really like that. And speaking of nerds, Tom Sandoval. Oh my gosh. So Tom Sandoval, James, and Lala go to a recording studio in possibly one of the shadiest areas of Burbank to record some songs and rapping. And then Tom pulls out a trumpet and says that when he plays his trumpet, it is an expression of his feelings. Well, he must not be feeling so great lately because that trumpet did not sound so good. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that he plays the trumpet, though, and I'm sure he's much better than what was shown on the episode. Then finally, we get a glimpse of James Kennedy back at his DJing skills at his See You Next Tuesday party. Oh man, it was hilarious to watch. James is so funny and so fun. I really appreciate him sober. Uh, but the most interesting part of all of this was Sheena and how she decided to corner Jen Bush, one of the servers, to talk about her boyfriend Rob and the allegations that Rob had made out with one of Jen Bush's friends at Toka Madera however many months earlier. Now this is a bit crazy. So not only does Sheena basically corner Jen Bush, who has nothing to do with the situation, but says, you know, I really want to hear from the source. You're the source, so tell me what happened. So Jen Bush reluctantly is like, well, my friend used to date Rob, and he stopped by the restaurant where she worked, and they kissed. And then a few days later, she saw on social media that Rob was dating you, Sheena, and thought, well, that's pretty weird because he kissed me a few days ago. Now, Sheena says, well, this lines up exactly with what Rob told me, which is that he went by a restaurant and saw a girl he used to date and kissed her on the cheek, or maybe the lips hit. Maybe the lips hit? Girl! There is a huge difference between kissing someone on the cheek and making out, and it appears that your boyfriend was making out. To which Jen Bush replies, it was probably a little more inappropriate than you would want your boyfriend to behave with someone. And Sheena's like, yeah, but you know, I trust Rob more than anything, and you're telling me the exact same story that he told me, so case closed, bitches. Well, that case may be closed, but the case we really need to open is what the hell is going on in Sheena's head? because she makes absolutely no sense and seems to be so obsessed with what people think of her that she doesn't even know who she is anymore. So that's it for this recap of Vanderpump Rules, but we still have The Bachelor and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills to get into. So this week on The Bachelor, it begins with a group date called G-L-O-B, The Gorgeous Ladies of The Bachelor, which is a play on GLOW, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which was, I think, a 1980s sort of TV show about women wrestling. Now, you think it would be fun, but the women who came to teach the girls on the show how to wrestle were total bullies. It was so weird. They made fun of Bibiana's name and were like, did your mom know how to spell? And they were really nasty to Tia, basically the Raven clone from Wiener, Arkansas. 
And it was just absolutely weird. But luckily, the girls got over the sort of bullying situation and decided to be pretty funny. They each had alter egos while they were doing the wrestling. And my two favorites were, one was Bibiana was Bridezilla and said, I'm about to eat these bitches for lunch, which gave me a chuckle. And Mikkel, who was a lunch lady with an actual hairnet in her hair and a fake mole. Both of them made me laugh a lot. So then we progressed to the evening portion of the group date where um, Becca the nanny, so I like to call her Babysitter's Club Becca, is very sexual with Ari and is making out with him and eventually gets the group date rose. Um, But also Bibiana committed the cardinal sin of talking about another woman while on the date and during her one-on-one time with Ari. She decides to complain about Crystal with the little baby voice who had been taking time away from the other women. Basically, girls on the show, don't use your time with Ari to complain about other girls on the show. It's just not helpful. And then, of course, Crystal says, girls are really insecure around me. Because apparently in middle school, one of her friend's boyfriends broke up with that friend to date Crystal, but Crystal wasn't interested in dating that guy because, you know, he was dating her friend. Whatever. I'm so over Crystal. Then we go to the one-on-one date, which is with Lauren S. I really liked her outfit. They go to a winery, and she's wearing this sort of frilly, um, cute, short red dress with sneakers, and I think it's adorable. They seem to have a decent time, but Lauren feels kind of awkward and uncomfortable, and then when they go to the evening portion of the date, she's just babbling and not making a whole lot of sense, and just it doesn't feel natural, and Ari sends her home, which then shows all of the women back at the house that, you know, he's serious about finding someone, and if it doesn't, you know, he doesn't feel like vibes with that woman, he will send her home. And so they dramatically take away her luggage. And then we have the second group date, um, which is with dogs, which I think would be a really fun date. Take a bunch of puppies, try and teach them how to jump through hoops and do some tricks, and then they perform in a park with a bunch of families and kids. So Annalise, um, who had the bumper car trauma from last week, also apparently has some trauma with uh, dogs because she was bit when she was a kid and apparently almost lost her eye, which sounds extremely dramatic and much worse than a bumper car trauma. Of course, uh, the producers decided to have a reenactment of Annalise's dog situation where they had like fade into gray and make it look like it was, you know, from 20 something years ago with this little girl and a dog. Pretty funny. Um, The best part, I think, of the whole episode was that they had Fred Willard, one of the judges from the movie Best in Show, uh, be one of the judges along with Ari looking at how the girls handled the dogs, which while scripted was still pretty funny. Um, Becca Kay, my personal favorite from Minneapolis, was on the date, 
and he seemed really into her still and told her that he missed her and said that she basically said she was falling for him, which is crazy because this is like, what, week two? Um, and, you know, she called him out for being a dork, which I appreciated. And he said, well, you know, I saw you hula hooping uh, with your neck. <laughs> Just like, these two people are so weird. I hope Ari is a dork. I hope he's a nice person and not kind of what we keep hearing about him, which is that he's a player and doesn't want to settle down. Um, Becca seems pretty nice and I hope things go well with them. Some other notable things from the date is that Chelsea talks one-on-one -on -one to Ari and said it was kind of difficult to be on that date because there were kids around and it made her miss her son and it's hard being a single mom and blah, 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 blah. He ends up giving her the rose, which I think kind of hurt Becca's feelings, but Becca seems pretty strong and secure in their relationship. One other thing I wanted to note is that I really appreciate Marique, who we haven't seen much of yet, but um, she owns an Indian restaurant with her mother, and I think she looks like the Indian version of Kim Kardashian, and definitely want to see more of her in the next episode. So then we get to the rose ceremony, where everyone actually seems to be getting along quite well, but some of the women are a little anxious that they're not as far along as other women in their relationships with Ari, particularly Annalise, who has not kissed Ari yet and tries to kiss him, and he basically says no, and then later sends her home. So when we get to the rose ceremony, there's only one person going to be sent home because Lauren S. got sent home from the one-on-one, -on -one, and then Annalise got sent home earlier that night. And so he eventually sends home Bibiana, which was my favorite in terms of enjoyment uh, for watching as a viewer. But we've been assured that Bibiana will continue in the Bachelor franchise and appear on Winter Games. So very excited about that. Looking forward to next week when it looks like some of the women decide to attack Becca, the Babysitter's Club Becca, on her age and it'll be interesting to see how Ari reacts to that. So now time to get into the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. This was basically all about late gate, which started very early in the episode when Teddy gets stood up by Dorit, who is too busy holding a meeting about her swimwear line to let Teddy know that she was running late. Now, they were supposed to meet, according to Teddy, at 4 p.m., and Dorit thought they were going to meet, or said she thought they were going to meet at 4.30 p.m. Needless to say, by 4.54, Teddy had had it, she was annoyed that she had gotten a nanny to watch her kids and decided to leave and go home back to her kids and told Dorit, hey, next time we hang out and you're going to be late, just let me know. This is kind of a respect issue. So then we go on to Kyle's parade of lunches and dinners with all of the women and Kyle meets with Teddy and, you know, Kyle says, hey, Dorit told me that you left after 20 minutes of sitting at the restaurant. And Teddy proceeds to tell her version of the story, which seems to be the truth, which is that she waited for 54 minutes and was kind of annoyed that Dorit brought it up. Teddy was ready to let it go. 
uh, well, Dorit's definitely not ready to let it go. And she has a separate dinner with Kyle where she reiterates her version of the story. And it just goes on and on and on and seems really annoying. Now, what I found most interesting this episode was Kyle opening up to Dorit about some of the success she's had lately with television shows and how two of them had actually been picked up by networks and how she wanted to share the joy um, of her being successful with her sisters. But after she produced American Woman, which was based on their childhood and the sisters did not like that, Kyle seemed to not feel comfortable sharing this success with her sisters, afraid of their reaction. And I also think it's extra hard because Kyle doesn't have any parents alive. And so she can't just call her mom and say, hey, mom, guess what? You know, I'm so excited. And she kind of said that her mom was the glue that held the family together. And while her and her sisters were very close for a long period of time, I think there's always been a lot of drama between them. We all know Kathy Hilton's daughter Nikki got married and only some of Kyle's family was invited. Then we've of course have Kim Richards and her issues with sobriety and her dog biting one of Kyle's daughters and just goes on and on and on. But I really think this is something that everyone can relate to, which is family drama and dynamics between family members and difficulty with success of some or not others. And she brought up something that is rarely talked about, but how Mauricio, her husband, left uh, being in business with Kathy's husband in real estate and went ahead and formed his own real estate company, the agency, which is doing extremely well. So the whole thing is just really uncomfortable for Kyle and her family, and she's not entirely sure how to navigate the success that her family is having with their extended family that doesn't always seem to be happy for her. Now, what was really interesting is, you know, Dorit actually responded what I thought was really well to Kyle and was just consoling her and listening and just taking in what Kyle was saying. So later in the episode, Dorit has dinner with Lisa Vanderpump, who decides to make it all about her, Lisa Vanderpump, and says, you know, I'm not, you know, shocked that Kyle is upset by her sisters, but I am shocked that she decided to share it with you because you guys aren't that close, which Dorit basically corrects her and says, actually, Kyle and I really have a lot in common and have gotten very close. So I think this is setting up to a sort of three-way friendship fight in which Lisa Vanderpump is jealous of anyone being closer to Kyle than she is and doesn't like when she doesn't have full control over the women. So uh, we'll see what happens next week. One other thing that happened was um, Kyle, Camille, Grammer, and Teddy got together for dinner and then were later joined by Lisa Rinna. And during this dinner, they again rehashed Lategate. But what was interesting was that Camille opened up about not being too happy with how Dorit handled the dinner at Kyle's house last week, in which Dorit had a little bit too much to drink and called Camille a stupid C-word. Uh, this word is not used in the U.S. very much, but I think in the U.K. it's used a little bit more often, and I think people use it in Australia as a term of endearment. <laughs> 
Either way, Camille was not so happy with that, especially because this all was taking place at a dinner that she had brought her new boyfriend, David, to to meet all of these women. And so Dorit's behavior was not the best to bring a new person into the group. And Lisa Vanderpump did tell Dorit, hey, you know, I know you were trying to be funny, uh, but I don't think everyone thought it was funny. And can you imagine what it must have felt like for Camille, who brought her new boyfriend here and all these things that you were shouting because you had had too much wine? Dorit, you know, feels bad about it and decides that, you know, she's going to approach Camille and apologize. And I'm sure we will see that in future episodes. But then the end of... Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was just very bizarre because Lisa Rinna comes and sits down with them and out of nowhere drops a bomb saying that Lisa Vanderpump and her husband Ken Todd are involved in a lawsuit because allegedly Ken had assaulted a woman that they were involved in a charity with. Now, all of the other women at this dinner said, you know, we can't really see Ken Todd assaulting someone, pushing someone, doing anything physical. And I have trouble believing it as well, especially since we've seen Ken on television for the last, I don't know, 10 years, and he's never done anything like that and doesn't seem to have a temper at all. So we'll see what happens next week. Not sure if this is Lisa Rinna trying to stir up drama or if she just is curious and making conversation, but not the best look, especially since this is her redemption year where she's supposed to be the friend girl who gets along with everyone, not the girl that tries to start drama. And I guess I mean women since these women are in their 50s and probably shouldn't call them girls, but you know, I like the term girl, so I'll go with it. Anyways, that is all for this week. So thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Please subscribe to Is This Real Life with Mandy Slutsker. You can follow us on Twitter at ITRL underscore podcast. Also on Instagram, same thing, at ITRL underscore podcast. We also have a Facebook page, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at Mandy Slutsker. Also wanted to put in a plug that I was on the Pump Rules podcast this week, which was so much fun. It came out yesterday, and it's episode 18, Bed Death and Beer Breath. It was so much fun. So please tune into that as well and look forward to our next week's podcast, which is going to feature Lisa Bonos of The Washington Post, and we're going to do a deep dive into The Bachelor very excited and have a great week, everyone. So you, the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh?
I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. hip 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 powder donut <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.